Good evening and welcome to tonight's cheer. I'd like to start off though with saying a chapter of Tehillim, the Zchus Refur Shlemo Uyoino Ben Chaya Brocha. So we'll say chapter Chof and then I'll put in some Stocker. If you can also put in Stocker in the Zchus, he should have a Refur Shlemo. Go straight to our Shilas then. So first of all, the first question was about a mikvah. Is there a requirement to place a mezuzah at the entrance of a mikvah? The, obviously, the mikvah chamber itself, where people are not clothed, doesn't require a mezuzah. A mezuzah is only for a room which is a respect, respectable room, whereas where people are undressed is not a respectable place, and therefore does not require a mezuzah. The question is more about the, the entrance, the, the, the foyer, etc. There's uh, sometimes as a, a bit of a, um, you say, reception area, does that require a mezuzah? So this has been addressed by several contemporary poskim. What we have on the screen is from Shevet Halevi, from Rav Vosner, and he says that nowadays the mikvahs are built with all various uh, sophisticated uh, improvements, and there is a, a, a ple very pleasant uh, uh, welcoming room, uh, a foyer, and at least that should be. Gemara in Shabbos talks about the three chambers. There's the inner chamber where people are totally undressed, the middle chamber, and the front chamber where people are mostly dressed. And he says that the foyer of the mikvah certainly is 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 uh, at least the bias hachitzoin, um, more likely more than that, because in the foyer it's not as if people are getting dressed in the foyer. They are fully dressed there. It's more just a welcoming area. And therefore, one should place a mezuzah there. Uh, it's not to say, no, don't say, oh, it's just part of the bathhouse. And therefore, it's a, not a respectful place. And, the, we, we, and then he basically finishes off. And uh, indeed, he says to place the mezuzah with the outer bracha. And that's what he himself did in Zifrin Meir, in a neighborhood in Bnei Barak, where he was the rock. So they built a mikvah there, and he did instruct to put on a mezuzah, but because of the, well, no one's sleeping there as such, it's not a proper dwelling, so therefore it wouldn't require a bracha, or put it without a bracha. One of our listeners um, asked for some information about the background for a volatzio, and this is question number two. Uh, some background to a volatzio in being a follow-on to shacharis, and why on Shabbos and Yom Tov is it relegated to Mincha? So indeed, the, the term 
Well, in in Ovaltsin, it starts off with a couple a couple of psukim. Then we have Kodesh, um, Kodesh and Baruch, and also Hashem Yimlech Loilam Void, which is the equivalent of Yimlech Hashem Loilam, which we have at the end of Kedusha. There's an explanation why the different psukim are chosen, but there is a, a revisit to Kedusha in Ovaltsin, and in Gemara it talks about Kedusha de Sidra. So that's the Kedusha which we're referring to, the, the, uh, which is after the Shemona Esra. So some say that the Kvolotzim was instituted. Or, so there's idea of following from the base HaKnesses, from the prayer, the base HaMedrash, to the study hall. And the, that's base HaPosuk, Yehuchu Mikhail El to go from strength to strength. Therefore, to go from the base HaKnesses, from Tefillah, to go on with Torah. So... The psukim, which are in a volatsiyan, a psukim from Torah, from Tanakh, and that's one way of fulfilling the idea of going, progressing from Tefillah onto Torah. Another aspect of it, which is obviously the Kedusha, the Kodesh and Kodesh, that is for someone who missed answering Kedusha in Davening. So then he has the opportunity to make it up to compensate for missing out on answering question. But here are the fascinating um, development over here. I may have once shared it with you over in this year, but and that is the following. We say Kedusha in before the Shema, right? In, in before Yoitzahim Oiris, we say Kedusha over there. Then we have Kedusha in the repetition of the Shemona Esra. And then we have Kedusha a third time in Ovalatsiyan. Now, the, what, what is unique about the Ovalatsiyan in Kedusha is that there we are saying um, Kedusha with a, an, a translation in Aramaic, which we don't do by the other Kedushas. And you know that in some shuls, the Chazan says, prompts the Tzibur to say the Psukim of Kedusha aloud. Omar, and everyone says Kodesh Kodesh, and the same thing for Whereas in other circles, in Chabad, it's not it's, it's not um, it's not pronounced at all. This saying Kedusha aloud, and uh, also not only Chabad, other Chassidish circles also. So, what's the reason for this? Is it should be said aloud or not? So here there's a Zohar. You can see the reference there. It's in Chele Gimel, Kufhof Tesamet Aleph, that we have in the first time we're saying Kedusha, we're telling a story. We're describing how the Malochim are saying Kedusha, how the angels are saying Kedusha. It comes along to the repetition of the Shemnesra, to Chazor Sashatz. At this point, we are saying Kedusha together with the Malochim. We say Yachat. So it's a reflection. We go, we, we're in tandem. We're saying it together with Maloch. It comes a third time. It's like a kind of a takeover bid that the we're saying the Kedusha without the Malochim. And there's the emphasis, that it's the Yidna saying Kedusha without, without the Malochim. So here we have, and 
so the, 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 there is a kind of concern that the Malachim may be anxious that there's been this takeover bid, and we want to kind of keep the Malachim a little bit out of the picture because they may have, have, have be upset that their Kedusha has been, been usurped by, by these by these Yidin. And therefore, there is the throwing in of the Aramaic. That's what the Zohar explains. Because it says also in the Gemara that the Malochim detest Aramaic. Particularly Aramaic, perhaps, because Aramaic is considered the Achoyraim. It's like the behind of the uh, of the Kedusha, of, of Yolotin HaKadosh, sorry. Whatever that may be, but there is some aversion that Malochim have to Aramaic, and therefore there is the Aramaic in 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 a volatzion. So this the as I said the more Yakishavelt will say the the Aramaic they'll say it quietly, and the Chsidishavelt will just say the whole lot in a regular voice. But either way, the Aramaic there is kind of to address the Malochim that they should uh, shouldn't uh, be Makatri. What's left to our discussion is why is why is Ovalitzion on Shabbos and Yom Tov? Why is it why is it moved over to Mincha? And the answer is very a very simple, a very simple Balabatish answer, and that is that Shachris on Yom Tov includes Musaf, includes a full Kriya Satoira, and people are are anxious. To Make life easier for the We don't hear you. Diane, we don't hear you.
Apologies about that. So I was saying that we, my source is from a volume all about filler. And so the second volume talks about why it's left for the afternoon on Shabbos. Let's move on to our next question. And that is, so the next question is, and he is unfortunately, um, he's a widower. Um, Can you hear me we now? Don't hear. Ah. Yeah, okay, we're back. So here we go. So his his this fellow, he's he's a single man and he uh he wants to bench lift because his wife is no longer there, so he has to bench lift at home. He can only bench lift after Plaga Mincha. If the shul are going to start Mincha early, he won't be able to get in time to shul. To to uh, even for for Mayrif, he's going to have a struggle to be in time because of uh, him, him lighting at home. So here's here's the, here's the question: Should he miss? Should he go to shul and miss out lighting Shabbos candles, or should he light Shabbos candles? And miss out going to shul. That was the dilemma which I was uh, looking at, and I felt quite strongly that the mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles is his personal duty. Um, davening with a minion is a wonderful thing. It's not a. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't compare in chiyuv. It's it's a it's a very highly recommended thing, but it's not a chiyuv, absolutely. And therefore, if there's a choice between davening with a minion or benching licht at home, then lighting candles at home takes the priority. You know, the, the, the problem is that he, is, he happens to be also the shliach who is leading the davening, which makes it so much more of a challenge. But that's, that's, the, uh, that's the story. Right. Let's go on to our next question. Someone's asking, it happened to be that in Beis Chabad last week, so they had by Mayriv, they had 10 people for Mayriv, and then during Hashkiveinu, they turn around, and one of the 10 people has gone missing. So they've only got nine people. So the rule about this is that if you started a unit with 10 people, and then the 10th person leaves, you can still finish that unit, so long as there's a majority, so long as there's six people in the room, if minority have left, you can finish off the unit which you're doing. So the question here is, how do we define the unit for Mayrif? Does the Kaddish after Hashkivenu, if there was a minion at Boruchu, can the Kaddish after Hashkivenu be said? So this is really, it's a straightforward halacha in Shukhanoruch. 
in Altarebis, Shechonorach, Nun Hei, Simon Nun Hei, Sif Dalet. And he says, in other words, we're defining units. Where, so he says, at Arvis. So the Kaddish, if there was a minion for Baruch, so at the beginning of Mairiv, they would not say the Kaddish after Shemayin Esra, unless there were 10 people at the onset of Shemayin Esra. But the Kaddish before Shemayin Esra should be said if there were 10 at the beginning of Mairiv at Baruch, even though some of them had left. Kaddish after Aleinu is kind of a kind of a voluntary extra, and that doesn't come into the, if there's no, no 10 people, you can't say that Kaddish. But let's come back to the Kaddish after Hashkivenu. Why is that Kaddish put there? Why is it, why is Mairiv different to Shachris? By Shachris, we from Goal Yisrael, we go straight, straight into Shemayin Esra, and we don't want to have an interval. And at Mairiv, we have an interval, we have Shkivashkivenu, and then some people say, Yerenenu, then there's a Kaddish. The first thing is that Tfilas Arvis Rishus, that the Davning Mairiv used to be considered a like optional extra. And therefore, the emphasis of Soymer Gulalitfilov, not having an interruption between God Yisrael and Shwan Esra, that emphasis is less. This is particularly visible in many shuls where the Gaba will announce on the night of Rosh Chodesh, he'll announce Yalav Yovoi after Kaddish, before Shemun Esra. Baltrevi says not to because of a Hashash Hefsuk, but the Minigo Olam is, why are they not so worried about Hefsuk? Because Tfilas Arvis Rishos. And taking this further, that it used to be, apparently, that people would not daven Ma'ariv Yishul. They would just do Birchas Krishma, and then they said 18 psukim, corresponding to the 18 brachas of Shemun Esra. And those 18 psukim are in the, what you have in Nusachashkin as Yirei Neinu. You've got 18 psukim there. They are corresponding to the 18 brachas of Shemun Esra. They would just do the 18 psukim, and then they would say, Kaddish, and everyone would say one to one another, good night. So that was the end of their formal, formal davening was actually... Be, uh, right after Hashkivenu, that's how the Kaddish comes in then. All right, so that's a little bit more about that, that, that the background of Yiru uh, Einenu, and uh, why Hashkivenu is like the end, and that Kaddish is the end of the unit of, of, of the first unit of Mayra. Let's move on. Very relevant to, um, so, Hashgocha Protis. I, I teach a class in the uh, Lubavitch High School, and um, just throw in that there is a charity um, fundraiser being done, and everyone is welcome to participate in contributing to the Chinuch, which is going on in the Moistas here in London. But uh, we, we, we learned through this, this how this year we were going through Birchas Anenin, and Mamish, last, uh, this past week, which was our last lesson because we now have got to exam leave. So we learned about the Bracha on the King when you see a king. And so what's what's the dilemma? Everyone, everyone knows that there's a bracha upon seeing a king. So there is here, this on the bottom you have here from the Radvaz, quoted in the Mogan Avraham. He says the following, governors which do not have the yoke of a king above them to override their rulings. They can judge 
and give capital punishment. So such a governor, you have to say the Baruch Whereas ministers, which are appointed by the king in various cities, then they're not so powerful, and therefore you should say the Baruch without shame and malchus. The Kadi, who is the supreme judge, no Baruch at all. So from this Radvaz, you get the impression that the power of the king has got to do with whether he can um, apply or, or annul a death penalty. Now, Baruch Hashem in our society, death penalty is not, is not, not, is not legal, not part of the law system altogether. Therefore, the king doesn't have a power of Hoyrik Bemishpot. And therefore, the king asks the question, perhaps he doesn't qualify to have the say the, the Baruch so this, this is where there's these murmurings and people think it doesn't really qualify. So this has been addressed by two contemporaries, um, Poskim or more. One of them is the late, 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 late Rav Osner, and he's clearly in his shuva is talking about the Queen of England. And the, separately, there's also so Lang 11, Reb Moshe Sternbuch in his Shuvah's Van Hogus, also comparing different types, American presidency, and um, British monarchy, etc. So I'm just going to read, though, what Rav Bosner says. Posh should be Yenai, that even if the monarch, the Yodot is referring to the late Queen Elizabeth, even though she does not have the power to give a death penalty without consultation with the heads of government, however, because he or she is the most honorable in their nation, and they are given honor, incomparable. Therefore, they deserve, they, they, they are deserving of the Baruch Hashanosa And he says, read that Radvaz, the Radvaz which the Mogadavron quoted. And that's the Svorah that has to be got to do with capital punishment or not. There he's talking about a, a someone who's appointed by the Melech. So then the fact that he's, he's not the supreme authority. He's appointed by the king. Then, if he doesn't have the ability to apply the death penalty, then he's lacking, he lacks in his power, etc. But the king himself, that because of the legal system, there is no death penalty, that does not prevent for him from being recognized as Melch Be'emes, Hadvorim Shutim. So Rav Vosna is absolutely confident that we do say a brocha on uh, the a British monarch. So contrary to various naysayers. Um, right, now I'm going to just go to mute all. Um, right. Now then someone's, like I see here, there's a couple of points in the chat. Um, I'm told that there is still a death penalty for treason. In this country, that's very, very interesting. I was actually thinking about whether Rav Bosna is saying that, that there's covered Shein Dugmose. I'm wondering whether the fact that there can be protesters and standing there at the parade and saying, not my king, that kind of stuff, does that take away from the, the uh, extreme covered which the Melech has? The fact that it's illegal for them to protest in such a despicable way. But um, okay. Now, one they don't start hacking at my, my program. Okay, these are anti-royalists. Okay. Um, 
going back to the previous question, could the gentleman, the shliach, could he light in shul? Well, not before Mincha, may as well light after, but is there any point in that? Yes. Now, there, there is a value of him. If they would have a meal in shul, or even some kiddush or something, that could be a possibility of lighting in shul. I still felt that his primary obligation is to light at his home, at his residence. But you can light somewhere else. But if you can light in your own home, that's your primary khir. Even if he's eating out. That's also an important point. Whenever people eat out, and they're trying to come home, their candles have burnt out. But they still make, should be making a bracha on the lighting their home. They should have in mind the electric lights. Whenever you light candles, you have in mind also the uh, the uh, the electric electric lights, right? Rabbi Lou is adding that he believes that the monarch can reprieve a death penalty in, say, Jamaica, if say if they are still under the monarchy. As far as I know, that was a long time ago. Being, that Jamaica being part of uh, the British Commonwealth, I think it's, it's a long time ago. Okay, let's move on. Right uh, now. You might think that this question has got to do with the previous question about entering a church. Um, not directly. And really the question which was put to me was a woman who's getting close to Yiddishkeit, her father, the biological father, Catholic, he died, was cremated, and now they're doing some kind of service at a church, actually in Italy, and she is asking, can she for respect of her father to go attend the service. So let's, how, how rigid is it about not entering a church? So here on the one hand, we have um, from Simon Kuf Mem, Kuf Mem Tes, and the, first, the upper quote is from Kuf Nun Zayin, and the lower quote is from Kuf Mem Tes. So in Kuf Mem Tes is talking about entering not the church itself, but the premises, the Chotzer So some say that you're allowed to enter um, when there's no worship going on. And some say even the Chotzer no, you're not allowed to enter at all um, unless it's the access to, uh, to reach elsewhere. But meanwhile, basically, the meaning posture is that one would not enter a church, even the yard of a church. Okay. Then, on the other hand, we have here, what is the story if a person is Chayv Misa, he's been given a death penalty, is he allowed to run away, take refuge in a church to save his life? So some say, say the Shukhnach says he is allowed to. And some say if it's a time of Shmad, where they are seeking to perforce Yidin against their faith, then he's not allowed to. I'm, I think we've discussed this once, and... Uh, how in the town Yezhin, the hostage of Rebbe Rashab, whose name was Rebbe Mendel Chaim, there were pogroms in Yezhin, and he was offered refuge by the vicar whoever, and he refused, and he was actually killed, Al-Kiddush Hashem. Um, I, what I found was very interesting, that we know that in the says in the Torah, that if a person is Chayev Mises and he runs to the Mizbeach, the Mizbeach is like a, a, a city of refuge. We all know the story of, of, of um, Yoyov, the general of David, when he was guilty of treason, 
the whole thing with the with the rebellion of Absalom. So he runs into, uh, and holds on to the corners of the Mizbeach. So the Mizbeach was seen as a kind of as, as a city of refuge. So Lahavdil, Lahavdil, and other faiths too, if a person would be punishable death penalty, but if they take refuge in a in a place of worship, they are they are kind of given safety that they won't get they won't get attacked, they won't be even arrested, perhaps whatever in in a place of worship. Which I found that very interesting. So this is possibly the background to this discussion, Shulchan Aruch. Are you allowed to run away for safety to into a house of a Vedazora? Some say you are allowed. Now, just to come back, um, go back a little bit. Um, I, I do want to address because a lot of people are asking how a very Hoshavid in, in this in you know in the London in the English British community was at Westminster Abbey yesterday. Um, apparently, and is there a heter for it, etc., etc. I want to say a couple of things. Um, first of all, he himself published that he did consult with the best in about this. Another a couple of points about this. Um, <clears throat> if he wouldn't go, it would the, 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 there would be there would be another representative going there of the Jewish faith, and I think we prefer to have someone. And that person would be not necessarily uh, a Frumayid um, who's faithful to Torah. And therefore, it's, I think, preferable for, for our need for representation that it should be a Frum person rather than a person who's... And there's no difference, Laloha, whether this person goes, that person goes. I want to, I want to share you with you one more thing, though. I once heard from Rav Pikarski. I did not look this up now. But I remember this, how he, I, as far as I remember, he quoted Rabbeinu Hanano. In the first part of Shema, we say, And is sometimes understood to refer to, to allude to Messias Nefesh. In the second part of Shema, it says, It does not say, And Rabbeinu Hanano says a fascinating insight that when you have a tsar when you have an anguish of a community it has equal weight to saving the life of an individual so we know that pikuach nefesh saving an individual's life overrides everything so rabbeinu Hananel is saying that prevention to pre to prevent a pain of a Seber of, of, of a community has got equal or similar weight. And whilst uh, Baruch Hashem, we don't feel that if it, uh, but certainly there is a concern that if there would not be a representation of the Jewish community, it would be seen as a snob. I'm not saying it would be dangerous, but it certainly would be something which would be uh, a discomfort. Uh, I think that's a bit of an understatement for the Jewish community if they would be seen as not being loyal citizens. And therefore, I can see, I was not asked to pass on this, but I can see the the um, the, the justification for someone going in. And it's not as if the person went in any of any interest, any worshipful interest. On the contrary, he's going there as representative of a different faith. Therefore, there's no, 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 uh, no room for allegation of saying, oh, he went there to... Uh, you know, to enjoy the service. 
Um, I once heard from one of the chief rabbis from Israel that he was in Rome and he had to go to the Vatican. Anyway, the last, right after he went out, he ran to the mikvah. Okay, um, let's move on. Right, so here's the question that during the reading of the Torah, a mistake was found. It was a, a letter which was misformed or something damaged. So what do we do then exactly? So there, here we have in Simu Kufbem Gimel, if a mistake is found in the Sefer Torah during the reading, we take out another Sefer Torah and we start from where the other one left off. And you can and, and you can make up the numbers with the, in other words, let's say you had given three alias uh, on a Shabbos morning and you still have another four alias. You don't have to do four alias in the, sorry, sorry, you don't have to do seven alias in the new Sefer Torah. You, you rely on those who were called up in the first Sefer Torah to make up your quota of alias. So there's no need to reread re that which was done and no need to make up the number of seven alias. There are poskim who do say that you should make up extra alias. Now that's on Shabbos, where hoisophis are accepted, are allowed. Therefore, they say you should do hoisophis. So the person who's asking me this question was asking, what is the Chabad take on this? Now, perhaps we've discussed this before. There is a tshuva of the Tzimach Tzedek, which was published uh, only about only about perhaps 45 years ago from manuscript. And here the Tzimach Tzedek very much embraces the view of Tshuva Sarambam, which says the following, that a Sefer which has a, a psul, which is disqualified, means that you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah of writing a Sefer It does not mean, it's not an impediment for the mitzvah of Kriya Satoira. Again, there's a mitzvah that you should have a Sefer like the mitzvah have mezuzah on your door, to have film on your head, there's a mitzvah to own a, own a sefer If there's a letter missing, you have, you've missed out on the mitzvah of owning a sefer But when it comes to kriyas that's a separate thing. For kriyas he says you are fulfilling the mitzvah of kriyas even with apostle sefer And the greatest proof of that is, it says in the Gemara that you cannot do kriyas from a chumash, which means a scroll of bayikra, or a scroll of bamidra, etc., because of COVID Hatsibur, it's it's disrespectful to do Kriyasatoira from now. If it, you have a scroll of Vayikra, you know that means that 80% of the Torah is missing there. It's, it's only one out of five volumes. And he's saying the only problem is COVID Hatsibur. So that tells us that the idea of Kriyasatoira is not totally dependent on the castrosis of the Sevatoira. Now I'm saying this is from the Tshubas of the Rambam correspondent. The, how you say, response of the Rambam, whereas in Sefer Hayad, in Mishnah Torah, he says just the opposite. He says that you're not Yotzekir Satoira from Apostle Sefer And certainly we follow that Lachat Chila. But when you are in the middle of Kriya and you've read already part of it, so what you've read is uh, valid because, because of this, uh, this other opinion, and you don't have to make up your quota. And since Chabad don't do Hoshafas, so then we're not going to call up any, any extras, even though there may be space to do so, we don't call any extras. What, as you are middle of reading and you see a, a psul in the Sefatoira, so then, to borrow a term, pull, up, pull over to the hard shoulder as soon as possible. Sometimes you cannot interrupt. There are places in the Torah where you cannot interrupt. Uh, you can't pause there. Let's say if it's within three psukim, 
from a psucho or stumo, uh, sometimes in the middle of, um, there are various places where we, in the middle of Aseris Adibras, we wouldn't stop, etc. So there are places where you cannot inter stop. You stop as soon as possible. And then you do the after bracha on the postal sefer One last thing, and that is, all of this is when you have another sefer If you don't have another sefer you finish off the Kriya Satora with seven aliyas in all in the postal sefer That seems very likely on our vacation, a holiday in hotel. There's only one sefer and found in Psul. So then you finish off Kriya Satora and but. Maftir, Shvi becomes Maftir because Maftir is the eighth one, it's extra to the quota. So, therefore, uh, the number, the one who has the seventh Aliyah will do also the Haftarah. Just finish off on a joke on that one that there was once in there was a special shul of the Amaratsim shul. It was the, the, the shul of the, come on, what's the plural of uh, ignoramus? Ignoramai? Okay, at any rate, so then there was a fellow who has an Aliyah, it was Pasha's Kairach. And he says, oops, oops, oops. I, I think as far as I remember the Haggadah, Chayrach is written with a Kof, not with a Kuf. He said, oh, you're right. You're going to have to put away the Sefer Torah. But because you're such a scholar, you're going to have to leave the, the Amarats in Minyan. Okay, um, let's move on. Right. So we've discussed this in the past, but about a chimney stack. Now we all familiar that the Rabbi Huda HaChosid has got an issue uh, of blocking up a doorway, blocking up a window. And if we do have need to block a doorway or a window, we would leave a small um, pipe, a small passage, and later cover that over, but we wouldn't want to block it totally. And that's got to do with spirits that if they had passage here, not to block up their passage totally. Then what, so what, what's the story of a chimney? Does the chimney have the same, same uh, rules as a, as a window? Now, there's a separate issue, which we have di discussed, um, a separate issue which we discussed in the past about demolishing an oven. If you remember, we had a whole story about someone who had a warehouse and in the corner of the warehouse, there was a matzah oven, which was used obviously once a year, and he wants to demolish it to be able to make space in his warehouse. And there's a separate issue of dis demolishing an oven, which is quite a strict thing also in Rebuda Chassid. But we're not talking about demolishing an oven. We're talking now about a blocking a chimney. That's a chimney is also obviously a passage from like a window going from one to the other. Very interesting. On Shabbos, we had by the Shia, I asked, how do you say chimney in Hebrew? So someone tells me the word is Aruba. Now we know the word Aruba is used for the windows of heaven, which they marble when the flood comes down. Aruba is Hashemoyim. So a, a wind chimney is an opening to the to the heaven, to or, or etc. And it's from one floor to the other. So if you would take out a chimney stack, and it's wise if you take out the chimney stack on the lower floor, it's a good idea to take out the one from the upper floor too. Otherwise, it might come tumbling down sometime, uh, you know, unless you put up special uh, brackets, etc. So, so now you've taken away two chimney stacks, upstairs and downstairs. Now, between those floors, there used to be a passage, which was in the chimney. And now you've, you've blocked that passage. So you should leave 
some kind of hole between the two, and then you can cover it over with whatever uh, at a later stage. Now, so this is, I, in, in the notes, I have a reference to a Sefer Shmir's Nefesh, who talks about this. Uh, it's a contemporary Sefer about all these safety issues with spiritual stuff. And he gives a reference to a Sefer of Rav Chaim Falaji. Chaim Falaji, if I'm not mistaken, he was in Turkey and a very eminent poster going back about 150 years ago, wrote in, in a phenomenal amount of Sforim. And he writes that I, uh, I responded to someone who had in his house a stove and it was used for boiling water for laundry. And this had a pipe for taking out the smoke. It went more than 10 floors up. After several years, he saw it's far too high and it's made of, of stone. He was worried that because it's so tall, it may collapse. Now, if he wants to diminish the height of this chimney, and so he's um, take away some of the, this, this, the, you know, the brickwork, etc. Is there any concern of because of Savasi Buddha Achosid? Where he says you shouldn't demolish an oven, etc. And so he says that the fact that he's shortening the chimney, that's not a problem because the not using that space up there. Uh, that's what he says over here. And there's still there, the axis is still there. Therefore, it's not a problem. So what we're seeing here is there is an issue of blocking a chimney. And uh, if you do need to remove a chimney stack, so there is, you know, make sure you leave some kind of opening. That becomes easier if it's just from floor to floor. If you've removed a chimney stack to the sky, then what are you going to do there? Going to have, you know, how are we going to leave an opening there? It shouldn't have the rain come in. There may be, uh, well, to talk about it, maybe a way of putting a, like a, leaving some kind of pipe and just having a cap over it with a vent, like a, like a vent with a, with a, with a protective cap. Right. Um, here's another question, a practical question that someone's asking that for Friday evening, they're going to have several female students coming over who've never benched. They don't bench licht on a regular basis. So what they're going to have is, let's say, this eight of them, and there's the Rebbitson, and they all have their candles. Each one's going to light a candle, and then they'll all say the bracha together. Now, we know that normally a woman, after she's just bed shlich, she will, she will um, cover her eyes and then say the bracha. Now, just to, to clarify, especially we have uh, our Sephardi um, representative here, when the Sephardim, the bracha is said before lighting, by most Sephardim, Sephardiyos, to be more precise. The bracha is said before lighting, but by Ashkenazim, the bracha is said after lighting. And in order to have the idea of the bracha is said before the mitzvah is done, the eyes are covered. And in that way, they only benefit from the light afterwards. So here's the question. Is it okay for them to light and then to say the bracha once everyone has lit, along with the shlucha, with the rebetzin. So, if you look, looking over here, it says in the Shulchan Rebbe in Simulei Gimel, it says about making the bracha before lighting. Then it says the minhag, in other words, minik Ashkenaz, is to make the bracha after lighting because once you've said the bracha, it's as if you're makabel Shabbos by saying the bracha. And then he says, in order that there should be the bracha prior to the act, 
So they make a point of not benefiting from the light until after the bracha. To, namely, they put their hands in front of the flame right after the bracha, or sorry, right after lighting before the bracha, as if to say, I'm not having benefit from the lights until the, uh, after the bracha. And they, this has kind of developed from putting the hands in front of you, blocking the candles to bringing the lights and the candles, sorry, the, bringing the, the, the hands over the, the eyes. It's all the, the question is, how important is this? How imperative is it to say, oh, you have to cover. And if you didn't cover, you can't say the brocha because you've already had benefit. That's, that's the dilemma. So what I did say to him, I think I, the way it's presented, it seems to be more on the level of minhag rather than a chiyu. That you might, if you see, if you see the candles, you can't make a bracha. It's, it, it doesn't seem to be that way. It seems to be more um, as a lechat as a minhag. But what I did say is, so she should tell the girls, the students, when you've lit your candle, cover your eyes and just think about Kabbalah Shabbos. You know, and then when we're ready, we'll all say the bracha together. And they'll have a moment to think about you know, to, to have a contemplation, meditate a bit. That, that just to recommend that. But if it didn't, if it doesn't work out. I still think they can make a bracha uh, according to Minigashkinos. Right. Um, how are we doing? Number ten. Right. Okay. Beautiful. I know that some of our listeners love to hear Shotim of. Uh, now, there's a famous question: Why is the first stanza Malachi Hashores? And the second stanza is Malachi Hasholim. Why does it switch? And this is discussed in various places. There's also someone who says that he was in Yechidus by the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said that Sholim can also be farewell. Malachi is bidding farewell to the Malachi Hasholim. And then his Sholim to the other ones is welcoming them. Okay. But here there's a very beautiful shot. It's from a sefer called Chaste Ovois, and he has the following explanation. When, when Monoyach, the father of Shimshon, meets the angel who tells him he's going to have a child and he should be a Nazir, so he asks him, what is your name? And the Malach evasively says, Why do you need to know my name? It is, it is uh, obscure. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's, it's a wonder, whatever, whatever the word is, Peli. So why did he have to say, he says, I'm not telling you my name. He says, my name is Peli. So he says that, and Rashi there in, the, in Novi says that the Maloch says to him, you ask your name. We are given our name according to the mission which we have to do. Whatever the mission is, I get my get named according to that mission. Okay. So he says that the term Pele is used in the context of Nozir. It says, Ishkiyafli Linder Nezer Nozir. The word Pele is used in the, how do you say, the declaration. Yafli can also mean to declare. So he says, Well, who Pele? Because I have been sent for a mission to tell you that the son is your Shimshin is going to be a Nozir. Therefore, he uses the term Pele. You've got to do Pele. What is the mission of the Malochim who come to our homes on Friday night? So this is Gemara Shabbos of Kofiutes talks about that in addition to the Malochim, which a person is, is protected with, etc., but you have Malochim, which are Malavin Leila Odom. They've got a company Malochim on your way home. 
two malochim, a good one and a not good one. If the malochim see that the home is all nice, prepared for Shabbos, so then the good one says the brocha, that should be like this for next week. And the, the negative one has to also say Amen. Very well known. So the mission of the Malach is, if he sees it's Shalom, to give a brocha of Shalom. So the term Malachi Hashores, the angel of, of service, is a generic term. All Malachim are doing service. When the Malach comes to your house and he sees how the house is prepared for Shabbos in a beautiful way, then he says Shalom. He's giving a brocha of peace. Then he becomes Malachi Hashalom. That's the mission which they have to do now. Therefore, now he's called Malachi Hashalom. Until he comes to your door, he doesn't know what way he's going to be called Malachi Hashalom or not. When he sees your house is, is prepared properly for Shabbos, then he becomes Malachi Hashalom. They become Malachi Hashalom. Okay, that's this word over here. Until they come to the house, they're Malachi Hashalom. So when they come to the house, they become Malachi Hashalom because their mission is to give the brocha of Shalom. Right, now... Um, okay, this I was asked on Friday. Now, this is a, uh, a shul, a base Chabad, somewhere in Paris. And you can see here, <clears throat> there's a screen between the shul, the Ezra's Anoshim, the men's shul, and the Ezra's Noshim. And this screen is made up of a kind of perspex. And it's held in place, if you can see by the side picture, it's held in place with bolts. If you can see here, these bolts are being shoved in. And his question is, he, the, he obviously wants, it's a, it's a one-way glass, yeah? That you can see from the ladies, you can see into the men's, the men's can't see into the ladies. One of the wonderful things which have been created in the last uh, few decades. So now his question is, can I take this down, can I unbolt it for the duration of the Kiddush? So that the the noshim could also be more, you know, connected with the kiddush, and then put it back for mincha. So here's the question: Am I allowed to take away this window and put it back at the later window panel, etc.? So this was his question. I spent a long time trying to work this out, and on Friday I told him that's not okay do it and on Shabbos we spent the shear going through this halacha and I still feel that that's, that's the position alright so here we have in Shin Yud Gimel the shutter to block a window it's a luach or it's a board or something which is used to block a window you see he goes the first talks about not being muksa and then he says then it's not a problem of oil. Then let's finish off the fichoch. If, if this, he says it was not a problem of oil because it's temporary. But if this shutter is not used to be opened regularly, only on rare occasions, then you would not be allowed to use it, not even for a vertical window and certainly not for a, for a skylight because is adding to the building, uh, in a, in a, which is a part of a permanent building. So this addition is a permanent addition. Now, before going further, I'd like to just look, look at this carefully. Is this a window? 
or is this part of the building? I, I, I define this. A window is that you want to be able to connect to the outside. And so you have a, 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 a piece of glass and you are and you open it to let air in, ventilation, etc. to whatever it may be. I don't see this screen as being a window. It is creating a separation between two rooms and it's allowing there should be some degree of visibility. It's a separation, it's a building, it's part of the building. And the taking off is as if it's taking off part of the building rather than just opening a window. I know you might think I'm just nitpicking, but that's, I, might, I feel that that's the reality, that it's not, it doesn't really qualify as a window. And uh, you'll see now where I'm, why I'm so concerned. So later that Simon talks about, instead of a window, he starts talking about a doorway. And it talks about a panel which is lifted, not, it's not on hinges. It's a panel which is lifted in place and used to close the door. And he says, first he talks about if it's only used occasionally. Then he says here, if it's used regularly, even though there's no hinges, but since it's used to be open and closed regularly, that's not a problem to put that door in place and to remove it on Shabbos. And then he says, that's only the, a, a couple of conditions. It would have to have a threshold, a raised threshold. It shouldn't look like you're putting a board repairing a wall. If there's no threshold. It looks like, yes, there's a wall. There's a gap in the wall. You put a board there to close up the wall. So has, he says it's, it has to have a, a threshold. And then he goes further. If it's one large panel, and then you wouldn't be allowed to use it on Shabbos because it doesn't look like a door. So, and even if there is a threshold, it's not okay because it looks like you're repairing a gap in the wall. So, I mean, going back to this, is this is this putting is this closing a window, opening a window, or is it um, putting the wall back in place? Now, I, I'm, my feeling is it's it's more it's an act of building. I'm not saying it's also in our Torah, but I think it's I don't think it's okay. Now, further in that simon talks about a door of a um, structure, a chicken coop or something, a door of a house, which is connected to the ground. Then you're not allowed to remove that door. Anything which is attached to the ground, removing it is considered demolishing and putting it back is considered building. So um, we've discussed it before. You have these kind of hinges which don't interlock, but they are like spindles. There's a spindle on the wall on the door frame uh, side, and then the one which is on the door is like a slot, as a socket, and it sits on the spindle and it, it rotates that way. So to lift such a door is not a door; to put it back is not allowed on Shabbos, and it expels it out. This, which when they have last large, large um, celebrations, they take off the windows, and they ask a goy to take off the window. That's not okay. And those who say that demolishing, which is not going to make it better, is not a, not a, not a melacha, so then it's not a seminatoyrus, it's a rabbonon. Bottom line, he says, those who do so, asking a goy to do it, but a person should be machmir, like the first shitter, 
And then he finishes off about people who are nichshal, that they take off revi yoisachaloinus, shekoirin kvatirin. What exactly are these kvatirin? I saw in one of the contemporaries for him suggesting that they would have windows made of four parts. And that's what they mean by the kvatir in the the made of whatever. But to certainly to remove a window from a window frame is not okay. Now, what happened over here? Before there seemed to have been room for at least for the window to be lifted and put back. And why all of a sudden here has become us? The simple answer is that here he's talking about where they are actually fixed. Over earlier where he talks about having a board to put in place, it's a freestanding board, and you're going to put it in, somehow secure it there. The If Yudzayin is talking about when they are actually fitted in a, in a permanent form, there to remove them would be possibly a Melachem in At least it's going to be a Melachem in So that's So that, that doesn't answer our question uh, necessarily. Um, it, and it goes back to the question, is that screen a window or is that screen a wall which can be removed for uh, convenience, etc.? And um, I'm more inclined, contrary to my usual disposition to try to find Ethereum, I'm more inclined to say it's not okay. Um, finally, finally, uh, last week, or was it two weeks ago, we were talking about the lady who realized that her glasses are on a perch on her forehead when she was walking in the street, and how to stop and put them onto her nose, or to put, if you put her nose while she's walking, wouldn't help. And I mentioned that someone of Rabbi Riddle Weiss had suggested that if you put it down on a mocking tour, then you'd be, you'd be allowed to. Let's say again, you found something on your person, on Shabbos, while walking in the street. So one way of solving the problem is if you put it down on a mocking tour, and I gave an example of a bollard or something which is less than four tochen square, to put it down on that would be a solution. So someone pointed out a very important point. You'd have to put it down on the bollard whilst you're still walking. If you stop and put it down, well, as soon as you've stopped, so you're already done hanochas gufa, hanochas chayfas. When you stop, it's as if you've put it, uh, you've, you've put, put, put it down already. So the heter of putting it down on a mokibtur and a bollard or something like that would only be if you manage to do so whilst you're still walking, albeit slowly. And then uh, once it's there on the bollard, then you've kind of aborted the melocha minatoire, and then you could then take the glasses, let's say in this case, and put them onto your, onto your, onto your nose, where normally if it was a yamaka, you could then take it and put it on your head and wear it, that would be okay. Um, Someone's asking about the window screen, whatever, would it be slid sideways? If the screen had been in a frame with sliding with a track, that would not be a problem at all. Um, that's actually an interesting suggestion. I can tell the Shliach, if he wants really to improve upon this, um, this situation, to allow opening it on Shabbos, if instead of it being bolted the way it is, if you set get it made into a sliding screen, that would solve his problem. Okay, I wish you all a good night and Sudas Tavis and um yeah, just join me again. Rafur Shlemo to Yoino Ben Chayabrocha, Rafur Shlemo Okrev.
Skyach.